so we roll Using procurement, program and control As a small biz pro, so we grow Using procurement, program and control I'm a businessman, yes I'm an entrepreneur Good afternoon, everyone. This is the Business Zone with Crystal and uh, Coach Gilbert Buchanan, your small business paramedic. And today, folks, we're going to have an amazing show. We are entering the brand new year of 2024, folks. And uh, ha -ha, we've got a lot of information to share with you. <laughs> yeah, and it's the, the new year, so we're kind of excited. There's so much going on um, in this world that we live in today. And so we're embracing women because uh, it seems like other people are um, discounting women. So we decided that we're going to focus on our uh, both of our favorite topics. <laughs> That's right. That's uh, right. Is women and and in the entrepreneurial space in the landscape, but we're also going to kind of bring it together with uh, our ancestors. And from my standpoint, Gilbert's standpoint, we both have mothers, and so that really shaped our lives. So we're going to kind of kind of tap into all of that. And so the rest of this month and next month is going to be dedicated to empowering, uplifting. Uh, the struggles and the strives and the successes of uh, women in business. Yes, for sure. And we want to look at the, the contributions of women over the years. And uh, some of those contributions have been disregarded. They've been discarded. They're not spoken about. So we're going to go into those corners and find some of those accomplishments. And uh, we'll talk about them. And just to bring to the forefront so others know what some of those contributions have been and how they've influenced many of us in entrepreneurship, whether we're male or female. Um, and as you know, um, most of you growing up with your parents, your mom, you know, is generally the nurturer. She's the one who, you know, tuck you in when you're sick, put you to sleep, you know, when you fall and and stub your knees or your toes you know she said don't worry about it. it's gonna be okay we're just gonna kiss this boo-boo and kiss it away and we believe her <laughs> we believe that she had that magic power <laughs> so, so she's done some amazing things for us and shaped the way we view things the way we look at things in the world and uh we just wanna we just wanna give those women trailblazers their flowers today Awesome. I know my mom was magical. Uh, she made some stuff happen that I didn't even think possible, but she did it. <laughs> and uh, I'm and not, I'm sure it wasn't just my mom, but, um, you know, that's what I have to work with is my mom. And so she, she was an incredible lady depending on, but she can't, but it came from my grandmother and, and so forth. So I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, but happy new year, Gilbert. Happy new year to you, the co-hosts. I, uh, you know, and, and when 2023 was just dragging itself to the finish line and didn't know if it wanted to stay or go, 
I, I kept thinking about some of the things that we're going to be doing this year to really help to elevate our our business partnership and also to help elevate this show, the podcast, the Business Zone, and uh, how we can help uh, enhance some of the smaller micro businesses that we've been working with over the years. So uh, we've together we've come up come up with some strategies and some techniques. And uh, we know it's going to be great for 2024. Uh, and uh, as a reflection of that, this show today will show you how serious we are at going after certain things and making some differences. So, yeah. All righty. It's been amazing. So how about and, you? How was your well, Mine was good. But before we get to me, there's something that took place at the very end of uh, 2023 that really? we, yeah, that we should celebrate. And that was your birthday. So oh, happy yes. birthday. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. It was, it was my honorably birthday, my honorable birthday. <laughs> For hey, Fernando. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Did you have a great birthday? Oh, and yes, did you I, do anything special? I did a little getaway, go to Catalina Island, you know, and uh, uh, help to celebrate in a different kind of way. So it was good. You know, it's something different. You okay. know, usually I would stay home and, uh, you know, just do nothing. But I said, ah, let me... Uh, Spread my wings here a little. There you go. Well, I'm glad to hear that you did spread your wings. Uh, Fernando says, happy birthday, Coach OG. Hey, <laughs> thank you, man. Thank you, Fernando. Appreciate you, brother. Happy New Year to you, too. And after, happy New Year to all of you here who are just tuning in to us on the Business Zone. Uh, just remember, guys, if you've been trying to grow your business, you've been trying to, uh, to enhance it, over the previous years and it hasn't gotten to where you need to be this year is that year guys you got to make it girl this year you got to get it to next level so you can you can start making that money if you cannot pledge to be become a millionaire by the end of this year at least you should be able to get to halfway there so you can't make 500k this year you know through some hard work and, and good coaching from us, then you know something is going on, guys. Exactly, and and, and, and it's such an interesting year. We there's so much stuff going on, but we do have to um, set our priorities. And and I hopefully you guys spent the latter part, the end of uh, in December, kind of um, not just taking time for yourself, which is what I did, man. I took the last ten days off, and I felt so refreshed. On, on, yeah, because I worked hard, hard, hard during 2023. And so I was excited to take some downtime for family and self care, uh, which is so very important. Uh, but now I'm in, energized and ready to move forward. But there's so much going on in this world. Yes, um, yes, yes. But I did take out some time. I went to see um, Color Purple. Oh, you did? <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty awesome. I was saw. Was it different than the first version of it? Yes, it was. One, it was a musical. And two. Oh, the uh, second they... one is a musical? Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was a regular show. Mm -mm. No, it was it was a it's a musical that was adapt. It was actually on Broadway oh. and on stage. So it was adapted to um, to uh, the screen. 
uh, Oprah Winfrey directed it, I think, or produced it, or she, it, there was a bunch of folks that was involved, but it was really awesome, different, um, but, you know, explained some different things and added some new pieces to it. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what else did I do? I went to see Michael Jackson's play and Which that was one? pretty cool. The MJ, the one that, um, the one, the one in Vegas. Yeah, it was in Vegas. Now it's, uh, it's I saw it at the Pantages, so I did that. Oh. And that, the one uh, where that guy looks like him, and he was dancing to all. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, that guy's uh-huh. pretty good, man. I don't know where they got him from, but <laughs> he's a replica. <laughs> yeah, he replica. is kind of a replica. He did. Yeah. He did. He did. Um, he was able to. Uh, who was it? I don't remember the. I have to look and see Fernando who the actor was, but. Very, very good. But it actually helped explain some of Michael's uh, traumas because uh, it went a little bit more into detail on his oh. exchange with his dad oh, and his okay. family and that kind of stuff. So so if anybody get a chance, go check out Michael before he leaves the Pantages. I believe it's leaving in February and then uh, the Wiz is coming out after that. So You know, also, this might be an opportunity for folks who are out there listening to the show or viewing this show to, um, you know, when it comes to kids, understand that certain things that are said and done in the presence of kids can really harm them for the rest of their lives. Because Michael Jackson is an example of that. Other people are examples of that. I remember when I was a kid, my dad says some stuff, which I couldn't believe. <laughs> and, <laughs> You know, I grow up and I'm going, how could he have said that to me? You know, <laughs> this is unbelievable, man. But it does. It does harm kids, man. We think they're not listening or they're not understanding. Believe me, they take it through life with them. So, you know, if they're six, five year old, six years old, they are comprehending, man. They're comprehending. They take that, that- trauma with them. They take that trauma with them because, you know, it kind of, you know, that and that's kind of what we're going to talk about, how, how you know, our, 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 our predecessors, our parents, our grandparents, whomever was in our lives, you know, kind of set the tone on what your life could or could be. And, and actually some of the behaviors and some of the things that we actually um, uh, embrace, uh, we bring that with us. But um, but but. Both of those, again, that was part of my, my, um, that's part of actually some of my goals. I don't make resolutions. I make goals and was to enhance my world culturally. And, uh, so, um, I, I do plan on seeing a number of plays this year. Well, part of our goal for this year is to be a part of that pan, pan African, uh, program where hopefully we'll be able to participate in it and, uh, and uh, host it or something to that effect, right? Uh, actually, they want us to they want us to broadcast live from the uh, uh, from the Pan African Chamber well, of Commerce. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so uh, we'll be working on that. It's sometime in June. So uh, that's hey, Gregory, how are you? Hey, Mr. Sneed, <laughs> the, the the field correspondent. How are you doing? <laughs> How was your Christmas and your New Year and all? Hey, did you get some of that Jamaican patties I sent for you, man? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, when, 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 when? (laughs) And it was curry, too. It's a curry patty. So (laughs) I know you love curry. (laughs) Uh, 
But I hope we all had a good Christmas. I did. I, my family, we just, we just, we had some really good times. Everybody loved their gifts and, um, um, we all put a lot of energy and effort into that so that folks don't look at us and go, I don't even like this man. So that was cool, but I'm ready for 2024 and I'm ready for it since last year, man. I know. Hey, Fernando, did you have a good Christmas, man? Did you get any gifts? Was Santa, was Santa Claus good to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, friend, Fernando said he's ready to take this year and make it take it to the next level. So um, I I feel you, my brother. I feel you. <laughs> well, let's jump on into our topic if you're yeah, ready, Gilbert. Definitely, definitely. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in, this is the Business Zone with Crystal and Gilbert. We're on every Friday from 3 to 4.30. Sometimes we kind of climb up to the 5 o'clock marker because the show is outstanding and phenomenal. So uh, I, I pre we appreciate you tuning in on a weekly basis to support us as well and also to um, uh, refer our show to any of your um, associates, friends, or other entrepreneurs who you think can benefit from this. As you know, we can be found live on YouTube or Facebook or LinkedIn. And there are a few other podcasts that we're on. My co-host will tell you about some of those. And she'll also tell you about how you can subscribe and like our videos so that we can uh, get in that algorithm so you guys will receive our feed on a regular basis. All righty. So uh, go on over to our YouTube channel and hit that subscribe button, or you can hit the, the QR code right here. We'd love for you to like and um, subscribe to our channel, as Gilbert says, so you can get advanced notification of what our show is going to be um, on a weekly basis. Actually, we are now going into our eighth year come July. Mm -hmm. Uh, we'll be on air for eight years. And so we're pretty excited about that. So we got some real next level stuff that we're going to be working on and we need your help in order to do that. So hit that subscribe button, hit that like button so that we can move on to our next level. And, uh, just so you guys know, you, you too can be a guest on this show on the business zone. If you're an entrepreneur, you would like to tell the world about your product, your services, uh, tell them about your business, where it's located and how they can benefit from the services or products you offer. Then you can uh, send us an email at the business zone, Crystal and Gilbert at the business zone uh, dot com. Is that correct, Crystal? Uh, yes. Uh, it was at the business zone with Crystal and Gilbert dot com. OK, so. You can send it. Is, is it the crystal or contact? Oh, right? oh, oh, yeah. You mean to our email address? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Contact, to, no, right? contact us at the business zone with crystal and gilbert.com. Okay. We'll and put today, that in the, we'll put that in the chat shortly. Today, folks, we know that you spent a lot of time over the holidays with some of your loved ones, some of the, the matriarch in your family. And some of those matriarchs were, were connected to other matriarchs who did some leading many, many years ago, uh, post-slavery and um, to the, the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. So um, we're going to talk about some of those leaders who have inspired us, some of those leaders who became entrepreneurs, they've done things in the industry, 
they haven't received their flowers. So today we plan to give them their flowers because because of their hard work and their their journey and their guidance and instruction, it has paved the way for us to do the things we do, acquire the knowledge we have acquired, and be able to function and perform the way we do here on the business zone and in our lives. So uh, uh, Crystal is going to go over some of these uh, matriarchs who have done some great work in the industry so you can see that women-owned entrepreneurs, they're not playing. They're here to stay. (laughs) Well, women actually... um you know, have shaped many of us in the footprints of our parents, our mothers, our grandparents. I've shaped a lot of who we are. For me, my entrepreneurship uh, DNA uh, gene came from uh, my family. Um, and so uh, there are three women in my family that were really- I would have important. loved to have met your mom, Crystal. Oh, my mom was absolutely amazing, I actually. Was, I think she was a dynamite. <laughs> In fact, my mom was so amazing that when I broke up with boyfriends, they were still connected to her and they weren't connected to me. How that's how fantastic my mother you. was. They, they just care about Mrs. Crystal's mom's uh, yeah, her name was, and all of that good stuff. Her name was Rose. And uh, so uh, you'll see her down in the corner there. But my mom, you know, but she got that grit and most of us got our grit from someone right so my grandmother which is right there in the center there with the with the um uh the second lady well, she got your smile or you got her smile Look at uh-huh that. i got her smile so my grandmother was the grit in the family the matriarch in the family she had 13 children uh she was married to a um minister who was an entrepreneur he also owned a grocery store he was an incredible barbecue uh, chef uh, he was known in the community for the barbecue that he 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 made, and then he sold. He had a famous barbecue sauce that uh, was um, uh, everyone wanted it in Alabama. Uh, but my grandmother, uh, my grandfather passed away very early on, so my grandmother actually raised her nine. She had thirteen children, but nine of them were alive. She raised them, sent them to college. Every last one of them went to college. Um, and my grandfather actually, when my mom, my mom was one of the very first, uh, black hairstylists that had her own salon in the city and town that they lived in. And so she, she broke some barriers herself. Um, and my grandmother was just amazing. My grandmother went back and got her, her degree, uh, when she was in her late (laughs) seventies. Our, our field correspondent, Greg, said he's, he's sending roses and tulips to Miss Rose. <laughs> right. Yes, to Miss Rose. She was something. So my mom was, a, is, you know, you guys, anyone that knows me, you know, my drive and passion that comes from uh, these three women. The other one is my aunt. Um, she's amazing, too. Okay, also so the one in the center, that's your grandma, right? That's my grandmother. The one to the right of her, that's your mom? That's my aunt. Your aunt. The one and to the left of her. The one where I am, because that's me behind, uh, just standing behind the lady. And that was my mother at 65 oh, years old. Oh, that's your right mom there. sitting and you standing uh-huh. behind her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the text is a little over your face. I didn't yeah, over my you. face, because it wasn't about me. <laughs> it's about them. <laughs> it's about them. <laughs> 
okay. <laughs> it's about them. Um, but yeah, that's me. And that's my mom. My aunt and my mom were 10 years apart, but they were like twins. So, um, so very, very close. But, but I am who I am today because of who these three ladies were. My grandmother, actually, uh, her mother was a slave. Oh, wow. And, really? uh, mm-hmm. and so uh, my grandmother was the byproduct of that. And then they, they once my, um, uh, my grandmother uh, got married, uh, my great-grandmother got married, then they were freed, so to speak. Uh, so slavery was, you know, it was like three generations behind me. Um, and the way in the, the life that they were able to achieve right outside of slavery was based upon their determination and um and their perseverance and their resilience and so she they passed that on uh to me so um i am very grateful for them so these are the the trailblazers that were a result of that it, from a personal standpoint these are my trailblazers wow. how about you how your well uh my parents they weren't directly involved with entrepreneurship but they did do some creative things to to be inventive and make things happen because like with my mom for example and i didn't know my grandparents or any of those i mean i i know some of my aunts and, and cousins and all of that but my my grandparents i didn't know so um uh, everything i learned which i don't even remember right now was from my <laughs> mom what she told me about that right so my mom, she, man, she, like your mom, she would make miracles, man. She'd make things happen out of nothing. Uh, I remember she would send us to school and, you know, didn't have any money at all. Or she may have her last $5 and she gave it to break it up and give it to all of us to take to school. That was our lunch money and everything, bus fare and all of that stuff. So it was unbelievable. And then she would go to work without anything. I'm going, how does she get lunch? How did she do this? But she managed to survive, man. And, you know, that is why I have so much respect for her. When it came to dinner time, man, she went into that cupboard and <laughs> anything that was in the cupboard, she's putting that together. She's cooking that. And the meal turned out so delicious. I'm going, what? how did you do it? What did you put in this? It tastes so good. You know, my mom was the first person who could curry lobster. Curry lobster. Curry lobster. Yes, she was the oh, first person. Oh wow! That. And I'm going, man, this tastes so good. <laughs> I haven't tasted lobster that good since my mom made it. Never. I it tell was you, mo so good, man. Moms are magical, man. They the, <laughs> the, the same with you. When my mom took care of, you know, it was three of us, and she, she made some miracles happen. Uh, you know, as a as an in adult, that cupboard, right? in the cupboard, like she would she would stretch a dollar till it. Look, I mean, it would go for the entire month. I who we didn't know. I mean, because you know, to, you know, back in that day. That was their job, not our yeah, job. Their yeah. job, our job, was uh, to just uh, go be educated, go to school, yeah. and 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 obey. That yeah. was our job. But their jobs were, they were magicians, man, because you know they didn't have a lot, and the the uh, challenges uh, that they encountered throughout their lives, mm -hmm. you know, we never felt that, or at least I didn't. Right. Um, and, you know, many of us, I've, I got many friends says we were poor, but we never knew it. <laughs> right, 
right. That's true because they made our lives so much more comfortable. That we didn't even realize that there was poorness going on, you know. Not at all. That that they were going through all kinds of adversities through life just to be able to provide a great home for us. Yeah. So we never really knew that. And so not just our parents, but if we look through history, women have made so many extraordinary contributions to society, to our society, to their yeah. societies that they lived yeah. in. Right. Mm -hmm. Some are known and some are not. And some of them were just, I mean, there are those are historic historians, but really, truly our parents also were uh, some major trailblazers. Cause but, but think about it though, even though, even though the men inventors, we're talking black men now, right? Mm -hmm. Even though the men inventors were much more than the female inventors, we still remember strongly some of those items that were invented by women. You know, like we, we had Madam C.J. Walker. She did the hair care product for women because when when back in slavery, you know, women had to carry load on the, loads on their, their heads. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, it makes their hair fall out. So... They needed hair care products for that. So that was one. Then we got the ironing board that was created, that was invented by a female also. Okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then all the, the washing board, there's a washing board where the, the woman uh, was created so that a woman could, could use that board to scrub the clothes on it when they're washing, you know? So those are really, you know, vital things that we remember, even though we know men, they created, you know, the remote control. They they did the the cabling system, you know, traffic lights and all of those things. But we still remember very dearly the things that women. And I think part of the reason for that is because we see the women every day. We see them like multiple times a day. The dad would be out working, and you know, he'll come home in the evening. He does his thing, and then goes back to work in the morning. But you know, you're with the mom pretty much throughout the whole day, you know, more more hours of the day, I should say. More so, hours. You, so you tend to remember those things that, that the mom does or, or the female does. Exactly. So here's some, I, I saw some, uh, some interesting trivia. I'm reading a book uh, that provided some interesting trivia about um, uh, slavery and um, um and women and and how important they really were to the whole agricultural part of of um of certain states so in north carolina they were known for in the um because it was you know the low country is water right mm -hmm. and that's where your geechies and so forth live in north in in north carolina uh, south carolina so when they couldn't grow anything in 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 South Carolina because of the fact it was predominantly water. Mm -hmm. uh, when they uh, brought in the male slaves, because remember the black Af the when they brought the Africans over, they primarily the men, right? So yeah. because of their bronze and because of the you know Africa was quite developed. Yeah. But they realized that in certain of the cultures in Africa, the women were the agricultural uh, geniuses, right? Yeah, yeah. They were the ones that knew how to grow the rice. <laughs> yeah. And so they had to then bring women in because uh, South Carolina, especially, they were not, it, 
you know, they had all these great aspirations for what that what what the new country would look like, but they mm-hmm. could. It was hard work, and they didn't have the skill sets. So they had to find go find the people who had the skill sets, and it happened to be the African women that right. had the skill sets. So right, right. it goes way back oh, yeah. <laughs> that this country wouldn't even be existed existing if it had not been for some of the skill sets that the women actually brought to this country. And that is why it is so vital to have the men and women getting along together because the women are the nurturers, man. They nurture things to life. I mean, when you get really sick, you know, who nurtures you? You know, it's a female. She comes over and she, you know, provide you some kind of remedy and, my mom used oh, to when you sick, you didn't even want anybody else know near you but your exactly. mama. Exactly. <laughs> My mom used to put some ointments on me. I don't know where she got them from. You know, some of it smelled nasty, but it heals. You know, it heals, man. So they conjure up these things, man, in their ability to nurture. So, and that's why we love them so much. So, you know, we, 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 we the culture, I noticed what they're doing right now. They're trying to divide the culture by pitting women against men and men against women, you know, because they figure it's easier for them to divide and conquer. Well, once we recognize that the two go together, you know, mm-hmm. the women, we need what the women have to offer and the men and the, the women need what the men have to offer. So you bring those together, man, it's a beautiful situation. And it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You know, and that's why workforces are so diverse, you know, because you, 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 you need what the women bring to the workforce and you need what the men bring in order to have a successful organization being run and achieving its financial objectives. So, I, yeah, exactly. And so um, our pioneering women, which would be our our ancestors, uh, despite all the odds. And, and trust me, I, I was looking when I was doing my research, Gilbert, you know, the very first female gynecologist was in 400 BC. Oh, wow. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And and she was in Greece. And, uh, and of course, uh, to take care of women, she actually had faced imprisonment because, you know, the male dominated world. Right. But um, even with that, the, the, the healthcare of women when it comes to taking, like you just said, if you were sick, you wanted your mother to take care of you. I know my my sister says when they in her early when they first got married, her husband would get sick and he wasn't that type that wanted to be in, um, uh, coddled by her. But then later on, she found out that he was going to his mother because that's who had always taken care yeah. of him when he yeah. was sick. So yeah. he didn't want her to take care of him. He wanted his mommy to take care of him. Yeah. She, yeah. of course, didn't embrace that too well. But <laughs> oh, my Lord. But today, when we look at what's happening, the freedoms of women that are being... um. Uh, they are trying to take the freedoms away from women to take care of their own bodies when at some point or another they take care of the men in their own lives, sure. so, which is just an oxymoron. But today we're going to be talking about entrepreneurs. So despite all the odds, female entrepreneurs have reshaped industries with their own dynamic business models 
and making incredible uh, economic contributions uh, to this world. So there are so, as you just said earlier, there are many trailblazing entrepreneurs that were not able to achieve financial success because they had other things that prevented them from doing that. So some of those other things that prevented them from doing that was, um, um, you know, they've suffered so many economic injustices, right? So, uh, and, and there's always been a pay gap um, in between what women get as business owners and what men receive as business owners. Um, we know this, right? Even if right. when we worked in corporate America, m- more than likely women made far less doing the exact same job uh, that the male counterpart was doing, but she was paid less. And um, uh, so that goes back, you know, decades in the beginning of time. Uh, some of the other issues that hold women back, um, and we're going to talk about this, and you're going to talk about this with the SBA, is accessing funding for their businesses. Right, right. Um, That's been like a unicorn for women-owned entrepreneur, women entrepreneurs. Still exactly. It's just not. It's and it, and it, it. I don't think there's any. Maybe you can explain this, but I don't think there's a reason for it other than the fact that um, I don't know what the reason is. And maybe we'll find that out in our in our resources, uh, right. in in our in our data that we've uh, we've uh, compiled. Uh, but the other thing is women's rep- representation and leadership. So. Yeah. Right now, you know, everyone has heard what has happened at Harvard. The the, the at the first president. they were right. The president, um, uh, Professor Gay, uh, they were all gun ho behind her, and then of course the pressures came down, and she was forced to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, my understanding, she's still a uh, a, a professor at the college because she has tenure. But you know, when you look at the world and look at the percentages of males running companies mm-hmm. and run and lead in leadership at companies. And you look at the, the, the low percentages of women and how hard it is for them to get into that place where they represent uh, the leadership of a company. Yeah. Um, and then from where you see it, obviously in the uh, procurement space, uh, Men generally get those contracts, right? Right, right. The the men they usually get awarded contracts, and several things. And I want to go back a little bit to the pay gap and all of that. Okay. Because, um, I, I want to say I am I am for women um, obtaining equality in terms of pay. Mm-hmm. For equal work, equal pay, I'm, I'm for that. But there are some jobs that women just cannot do that men do. You know, like mm-hmm. the ones where you see those people out there building infrastructure, like bridges and all of those things. A lot of women they won't do the hard work. They, you know, because they're not built for that. They're built for nurturing and all of that. So I get that. Some mm-hmm. women are built for, you know, the administrative, administrative, the academic part where, you know, they can run a university or they can run an organization, you know, that type of thing. So they're built for that part. So I get that, you know, they need to get the pay they deserve, 
but certain types of things. And I believe because of that, in the procurement space, a lot of contract providers believe that when they award a, 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 a heavy duty type contract that requires hard labor, they're thinking in their mind that because a smaller percentage of women can actually perform those uh, on, a, on an outstanding level, then they're mm-hmm. thinking, you know, if if too many women apply, then they may not get it. So then they, I kind, I'm kind of putting some sense to how they do things, right? Okay. So I'm thinking that that's probably part of the reason why. However, is it right? No, it's not. So when it comes to awarding government contracts, federal, state, and and local, you know, there shouldn't be any difference in the contracts being awarded to the recipients, whether they're male or female, because, you know, when it comes to government procurement, we do what we call uh, uh, pre-evaluation. You know, we do pre-qualifications to make sure that that the participants, not just the woman or not just the man, but the participants, mm-hmm. the, uh, or the applicants rather, are qualified overall. So if they're qualified overall, then the award should go to that person, no matter whether the, what their gender is. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because the pre-qualification process shows that you can do the work. You know, so 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 when it comes to government procurement, I do believe that there should be a larger number of women-owned businesses obtaining those contracts. And uh, you know, I can only do my part, but it would be good to have a lot more um, male participants. You know, looking at it a little differently because. I know a lot of female entrepreneurs who can do many of those jobs, but they don't get awarded that. You know, they don't get awarded that. So, and that's why our program exists, the Business Zone, to help encourage and foster those women and 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 nurture and cultivate them so they build that, that, that capacity to go out there and demonstrate that they can actually perform these jobs and they can blow some of those male counterparts out of the water so that's really i mean we we have an example of this co-host on our show we have uh andrea uh, vagil from um in las vegas right from, from that electrical company she's done mm-hmm. amazing work and in her field she has over 600 male counterparts she got awarded a contract uh with the with the with the the, the raider stadium over there you, you see what i'm saying so we know people who can do the work, <laughs> you know, it's not that they can't do it. You know, we just need to galvanize and, 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 and get more of them out there in the forefront so they can get awarded contracts. This is pitiful. It is. And so some of the, the, the statistics that I found was 49.6% of the entire world's population are women, right? And women business owners statistics show that there is at least one woman sitting on the board of directors in around 40% of the startups, mm-hmm. uh, while more than half have a woman in uh, an executive position and just over a fourth of the startups or 28% have at least one woman founder mm-hmm. out of all the businesses out there. <laughs> Unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. So, so, so there is that, that inequality. It's just, what the heck? Like you said, if they may not be able to do the physical labor, but yeah. the, you know, the, you know, we just talked about the miracles that our parents, our mothers did. Right. So they definitely have the intellect and the willpower right. and the and the doability mm -hmm. of of doing whatever they set their minds to. Because you know, whatever whatever life has dealt a woman, whatever challenges or adversities that she's been dealt, she's overcome them in order to take. Especially if it had anything to do with her children. Right. You know how they say, <laughs> you know, how they say in the marketplace that women are delusional. I think, I think that delusional attitude is, is a good thing because <laughs> if they weren't delusional, then when they're, when they're stepping on their necks and telling them that they can't do certain things, you know, they would just lay down and die and say, okay, we can't do it. We're going to just give up. Right. But instead they'll go, ah, ah. I know I can do this. Even if they don't have the strength to do it, they say, I know I can do this. And they find a way. They, they find, find a way. way. So, so, uh, man. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, so, right? Because you've seen your mother find a way. I've yes. seen my mother find a way. I'm sure yes. Greg and, and Fernando thought they have no idea how they would make whatever they did happen, but they did make it happen. Um, and so, yeah, in some cases, they, I guess they have to be delusional because be delusional, of these stats man. we just read. <laughs> it, it's like you get thrown in a lion, the lion's den, and you're going, okay, lion, I know I can kick your butt. I'm not afraid of you. That's the woman's mentality, right? A dude probably run and cower and hide behind some things and say, man, I can't, I can't match strength with this lion. But the woman say, I'm going to tell you to sit that you will sit. Right, exactly. So, and so they're very capable of doing it. Uh, here's some stats that you will like: uh, that uh, women own thirty percent of the small businesses worldwide. Mm -hmm. uh, California actually has the highest proportion of women-owned firms in the U.S. That's at true. at one point three million uh, small uh, businesses are owned by women. Mm -hmm. uh, Texas has more than eight hundred and sixty women-owned firms. Women launch wow. 860,000. Oh. Women launch more than one, uh, 1,200 new businesses every single day in the U.S. Hmm. And you know this because you have majority of your clients are women. Yeah, that's true. Um, Women-owned businesses generate $1.9 trillion in revenue. Hmm. And the growing rate, rate of women-owned businesses is 5%. So... When we come to the second item on some of the adversities and challenges they have is accessing funding. Capital. <laughs> right, 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 right. And and as a result of that, I have uh, I have some numbers here that shows that um, uh, only two percent of of female owned businesses receive funding. Two percent. Two percent. Think of all those numbers you just read off. Okay? So and women generating $1.9 trillion in revenue, but yeah. they only get 2% yeah. of funding 
in order or capital in order to grow their businesses. That's now what is wrong with about. that percentage? That's ridiculous, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's stifling the growth. <laughs> that is crazy. Crazy, man. But that's two percent, and but they generate one point nine trillion dollars in revenue. What, what 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 kind of percentage is that? What what kind of what is the rationale behind presenting preventing women from having getting acquiring capital for their business? You know, on the chart, you wouldn't even see a a, a little speck on the chart with that kind of number. You, know what <laughs> you would see nothing. You know, you see a blank space. <laughs> that is unbelievable, man. And I think I've read somewhere that the longevity of a woman woman owned business uh, a lot of times those businesses are um they have longer longevity yes and you know uh, why you know why just like with most of us entrepreneurs who don't have resources we don't have guidance we don't have a business coach we don't have someone to lead and guide us but we got to function we got to figure things out we got to make it happen and many of us one, we're afraid to take out loans because we know the loans are not going to be in our favor. The rates are not going to be in our favor. So we try to use creative money to do what we do, right? Mm -hmm, the same mm -hmm. thing with women-owned businesses. You know, they have been more careful about tending to their business, running their business, and not putting themselves in debt. You, yeah. you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Right. That, that's how yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah. I know for 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 many of our clients, um, you know, even today, based upon what we just we just stated, that women have they still have a greater uh, difficulty in accessing oh, financials yeah. Oh, yeah. than men, and I don't know if there's any tangible reasons behind it. Well, one of them is I, I know what the reason is because remember in a workplace before. Um, I think it's a, uh, the, the Civil Rights uh, Act that was extended to women in the workplace where when a woman got pregnant and she left the workforce, you know, she would be gone for months and sometimes a year. So the employer would think, man, you know, I'm down an employee I, you know, and I'm probably paying her, still paying her, you know, to be away. So that to them was a burden. So a lot of employers were not hiring women because of those well, I should say younger women child with childbearing years because of those things. But now that mm. the laws have changed, they can't do anything about that. So you tend to see men who would uh, provide opportunities to other men, but they don't make it look like that's the reason because they know it's illegal. You see mm. what I'm saying? They just make it look like the woman was incompetent. She couldn't put it. She couldn't pull through. Uh, her, her time in the industry wasn't long enough. She wasn't seasoned enough. So they don't believe she could have done it. Like if a woman goes in a bank and, and she's requesting a million dollar loan, they would ask her all kinds of questions because they're thinking, well, how am I going to get my money back? How do I know you're not going to dip on us? How do I know you're not going to quit on us? And, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of factors that go into this. Mm -hmm. And and I, I just want, because since I'm advocating for the female entrepreneur, 
I also want the female entrepreneur to understand why the other side make decisions against them so that they can prepare themselves to prevent that. And again, I keep going back and forth between, you know, the African-American culture and the female culture. Because mm. with the African-American culture, when we go for a job, you know, they think we're stupid. We, we can't figure it out. We can't do the job. So we got to demonstrate in an interview, like real lifetime, you know, we got to demonstrate to them that, hey, we know what we're doing. Let me give you an example of how I did this before. And I did this for this organization. And here's how I did it. And here were the results. Mm -hmm. So when they're hearing that, they're going, oh, okay, all right. Well, let's give him a little try just to see if he really knows what he's saying or if he's BSing us, right? So they'll mm -hmm. give you a little try. And then once you get a little try and start demonstrating that you know what you're doing, then they'll, you know, they'll, they'll kind of embrace you a little bit, right? The same right. thing with a woman-owned business. They don't think that she can pull it through. They don't think she's strong enough. They look at the the divorce rate, right? So, you know, they say over 50% of marriages end in divorce and and about 80% of those divorces were initiated by women. So, in their mind they're thinking women are quitters. They're always quitting. They're quitting relationships, you know, they they do that on a high level. So, if they're quitting relationships, they're going to quit the job too. They're going to quit the program. If they get a contract, they may quit the contract. So, all of those factors are put together and you know it's and just again I, I keep going back to us you know with <laughs> african americans they do the same thing with us you know any any statistics any statistics that skewed against us they kind of use that in a in a in a, in a, in a bundle to say right. well because of these things these negative things we don't really want to take a gamble over here because that could come back and hurt us you know so they do that with women owned businesses so my thing would be twofold one there need to be more female uh investors more female because mm. there's a lot of successful female entrepreneurs out there who have successfully developed companies and some of them are now investing in all the companies you know like you know you got barbara cochrane on 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 uh, shark mm -hmm. tank you got mm -hmm. uh what's the blonde's name i don't remember her name but but she she too you know she's she's developed hundreds of millions uh, she developed companies that generate over hundreds of millions of dollars right you've mm -hmm. got there's another lady in new york i just can't remember her name she's an amazing investor as well so women-owned businesses are gonna have to start gravitating towards those type of entrepreneurs who are willing to reinvest in women-owned businesses you know i i agree yeah, if if they if they try to lean on the male side, they're gonna keep getting clobbered and you know keep getting their 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 neck stepped on and all of that. So we want to see more female investors, and a lot of female investors are stepping up into the plate though. But we don't see them stepping into certain industry. They're stepping up into retail. They're stepping up to the food industry, the clothing industry, the tech industry. But we don't see them doing it in construction or you know other other spaces like that. That's where we want to see more of the female investors, so more female entrepreneurs can grow their business. Uh, I agree, and I also think so. When you talk about women and 
So crowdfunding, when crowdfunding made its entry a um, number of years ago, that's also a resource for women. Yeah. Um, in my research, I also discovered that um, uh, microfinancing, uh, there there are a lot of countries, um, uh, developed countries that are looking at microfunding as an important financial tool for, yeah. for, for women. Um, in order to acquire funding that they would not be able to get from traditional mainstream financial spaces. So really, really important. There are a number of banks, and that's what they're saying, uh, that governments are, are, uh, can do more to find access and, and some of those. And I guess that's the SBA would probably fall into that or some of the banks that Right. that uh, support the SBA, the Small Business Administration, right. um, is being able to find microloans or crowdfunding uh, opportunities for women um, in order to find their f- the funding that they need uh, so, that, so that you can leverage. If they're generating $1.9 trillion without access, just imagine what could happen if they had access to move them to that next level, to grow, to scale their businesses. You know, that's a great point, co-host. Now, a few months back, we had a developer on this program to speak about building and development in the Los Angeles County area, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm wondering, when was, when was the last time we heard of a female developer? Have we heard of that? Is that a unicorn? <laughs> have we heard of that at all? We will do research, but we probably I would imagine because I would imagine reason, this a limit reason, here, but not in reason, other countries, I think. Reason, in other the reason what do you I think? bring that up. The reason I bring that up, because you mentioned microfinancing. That's why they're willing to give the women owned business microfinance, a small amount. You know, 50,000, 100,000, maybe 500,000, but no more than that. You see what I'm saying? The, the other developers, they're getting hundreds of millions, you know, in, in terms of lending to build their infrastructure, to build their, their community centers, to build their, their apartment building structures, to, to build parking structures. They're receiving that kind of money. So what are the female developers receiving? Because I know there are female developers out there. You know, oh, it has to be. I just want to know, man, that that number would be very important to me if we can. And if there's any one of you guys listening out there on the business zone right now, this moment, uh, whether it's on YouTube, Facebook or, um, uh, or, or, or any of those uh, any of those uh, uh, platforms, I want you guys to send us in the chat that kind of information, data, statistics of any female developers out there who have received funding to build a complex or you know a rental center or something like that we want to know that because our records does not indicate any of those so we (laughs) want to know if it exists Well, I mean that then we'll have to do some research on that Gilbert because I think you you're you're on your your Again, you're on track because again, if they if they've generated the amount of revenue that they've generated in uh, the 1.9 trillion, that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, without capital, then 
women being ha having access to that capital could triple or quadruple that um and as uh what is he uh fernando says there's a sister who's doing the airport um and What's plus there's uh, fernando do you know her name i i think there is a few but she may be camouflaged behind a male <laughs> There may be a male front. And here's an here here's some thought process, Gilbert. So just imagine a female that like the former president who just on his word was able to acquire funding without proper documentation, paperwork. <laughs> paperwork. That would be uh, amazing. <laughs> and got thousands, millions and millions of dollars. Hundreds and of millions. Hundreds of millions of dollars just on his word. Yeah. Are there any women who could go to a traditional bank and just on her word get hundreds of millions of dollars without any source documentation or uh, um, verified source documentation. Let me put it that way, <laughs> right, right, <laughs> and right. be able to acquire millions and millions and millions of dollars of uh of monies to do that. I well, wonder. From, so, from my research here, I see a list. I see a list of female construction company CEOs who have been involved in in building development. Okay, one of them is. Catherine Cahill Thompson from Cahill Contractors, they said that she's one of the highest earning women-owned construction companies. She's generating over $300 million in revenues, $300 million. So she would be one of the, 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 um, the targets that I would like to ask this question. And her company's in the Bay Area, okay? So one of the things I would like to ask her, she generate over 300 million in revenue per year. When she decides to build a complex and she goes to the bank for a loan, how do they treat her? You know, does she receive it? Do they tell her, hey, we can only give you 20%. You got to get the other 80% from the SBA and from other banks or other community lenders. How does that work? If there's any of you out there right now who can share this information for us, guys, I want you to either uh, the, contact us, send us a, 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 uh, your text, your information in the chat, or send us an email or try to come on the show to help us to clarify that. Because <laughs> we want to know. <laughs> we want to know. Because this is one of the highest earning female construction companies here in California. Cahill construct contract. Cahill. So here's some here's some statistics for you. Mm -hmm. So um only 13% of the construction, high-tech, manufacturing, and uh, metal in industries are led by women. Mm -hmm. Um women receive an average loan of 39,000 while men receive an average loan of 44,000. Wait a second, 39,000? 39,000. That's, 39, that's, that's, that, like, that's like micro loan, man. That's a micro <laughs> loan. Um, however, um, 
women do receive more in crowdfunding than men. Women receive about 69 or almost 70% of, of their funds from crowdfunding, while men is like 64, 61%. See, so women. That, that I believe, co-hosts. I believe that. Yeah. You, know, you know why? Because I think we can tell our story better. What do you think? That's one way. But the other way is a psychological thing. People will prefer to give money or donate to a female than a male. Because a male is supposed to be out there generating his own money. You see what I'm saying? So a female is, is usually in a position where, you know, can you help me? You know, I need some assistance. So I believe that, you know, yeah, the female um, crowdfunding uh, recipient will make will generate more. I believe, that. right? And and they can't go to traditional funding right. sources in right. order to get it because right. they're not they're not going to unless of course they probably have a male uh, counterpart or a male face mm -hmm. that will drive drive the 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 funding right. Yeah. Um. You know, not her. She can't represent it. Although in this one statistic, um, it says that um there were in 2022, there were 350 newly found companies show show that women-owned businesses are safer for investors than they are than the male counterparts that actually acquired loans. Right, right. Um, and they said women are likely to feel more stressed about their businesses, and they are um, probably driven for it to be successful because it's not, she's not creating that business just for herself. She's creating that business family. to make sure for her and, family, and, right? To the people in the, in our, in our company, our employees are like her family. You see what I'm saying? That's mm -hmm. how women look at their employees, just like their family. So they want to provide for them. They want to make just like they take care of their kids, make sure they eat, they're fed every day. They want to do that for, cause you, you hired people before and you try your best to make sure they're paid. <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and even when I worked in corporate America, you know, payroll to me was, you know, that's the first thing that needs to be paid is because people have to take care of their own. They have to take care of their families. So you would think with all of that data and one knowing that her, I do know this from my own custom, my own clients that, women do stress more on generating revenue, making sure that their businesses are run properly, yeah. um, making sure that, that, and I know you get this, making sure that all the paperwork is in place. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're pretty obsessive about that kind of stuff. Right. Um, they will spend in, incredibly long hours. Um, and some, and most times they don't even take a paycheck. No. Most women-owned businesses will make sure that their employers, employees are paid, their vendors are paid, and they may take nothing from their business. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but, however, um, why? And that's another reason why they really truly need the capital because they need to be able to uh, duplicate themselves so that they, you know, have been able to hire staff. So that they can increase their revenues, because if not, they're going to be the ones that will be there uh, day and night 
uh, putting everything they have. A lot of times they will even sacrifice their own finance. They will take a financial risk personally mm-hmm. to make sure that their business business door stays open. And you see that more and more with women-owned businesses where they'll go into their own personal bank accounts, take out their own money to keep the business afloat. You know, more men will either go to a group, try to get some funding, go to the bank, go somewhere. But, you know, we, we will use some of our funding to start in the beginning. But, mm-hmm. you know, after five years of being in operation, we're not going to use our own money. We're going to use other people's money and we're going to find ways of getting it. But while women own businesses, even after being in business after five years, because of the fact that they're not getting access to funding, they have their force to go into their retirement fund, into their savings, to put Mm -hmm. it in the business. And like you say, you know, make sure their employees are paid and that they don't miss a paycheck. And, you know, not only that, but it's the law. You know, you have to pay your workers or you're going to go to jail. Right, exactly. So they they will make a big, I feel that they'll make a a bigger um, sacrifice in order to keep there. And I know back in the day when I was working in corporate America, I, I, I worked for this person. He didn't have a problem filing bankruptcy. It was wow. like part of, it was his business strategy. <laughs> See, that's another, that's another difference right there because a female entrepreneur finds it very, very difficult to file bankruptcy because she knows that if she does that, it's a, it's a it's the the kiss of death for her entrepreneurship uh, career because mm-hmm. it's difficult alone to go get a loan or a line of credit without being bankrupt, much less you know having a bankruptcy on your record and going in and asking for money. They're gonna go, uh uh-uh, you filed bankruptcy last year, you know. What makes you think we want to give you our money, you know? Right, so, exactly. So yes, yeah, so women-owned businesses. If you do the if you do the check the records, you'll see that less women own businesses of filed bankruptcy, much, much less than men and their male counterparts. Yeah, because if they already have a challenge getting funding, yeah. they know with the bankruptcy that like you said, it's a kiss of death. Yeah. Uh that challenge is very difficult for them to overcome. So they'll they'll sacrifice their personal um um uh lifestyles in order to keep the business running um, without. And a lot of times because they're also, and this is, I think this, I think this also applies to uh, minority owned businesses. Mm-hmm. We, because we're so afraid of being told no. So if you're a black one, if you're black and a female, you know, you got a double jeopardy there, yeah. but if you're but most minorities also will not go uh, look for, if they've been told no, on uh, uh, obtaining capital for their businesses, one or two times, the third, they're not going back. So they will just maintain a business that is barely paying them enough to survive and barely putting enough money back into the business for it to grow. You know, there's so many factors that come into play when it comes to understanding women-owned business, their growth, their success, their sustainability, you know, and and the same can be the same can be, be true for the minority business as well because the struggles are so similar. 
especially if the female entrepreneur is a minority. She she sails in the same boat as a black person in society. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, one, she's female, two, she's African American. So she got two stripes against her, you know, or if she's Latina, you know, she's got two stripes against her. Mm -hmm. You know, if she's Native American, she got two stripes against her. So so it's really difficult. And that that brings me to this this data point here, Crystal. Okay. From the, S, from the SBA, mm -hmm. the, the the SBA 2022 procurement scorecard. It shows the goal for women-owned businesses. And just so you know, what the scorecard is all about. Uh, 25 different federal agencies are or um, they have a budget to hire. And, and let contracts to different contract and contractors and vendors. So most, there are 25 of them, different agencies. We're talking NASA. We're talking Department of Defense. We're talking Department of Energy, uh, Department of Agriculture, you know, all of those different agencies. Now, the woman-owned goal, the goal for women-owned businesses, it was 5%. That's what the goal was. 5% mm -hmm. 2022. Mm -hmm. The achievement in that scout in that space was only 4.57%. 4.57 is way below the 5%. And this has been going on for years. Years. They've never met the woman-owned goal. And this this is a scorecard that's issued by the SBA. That means the SBA is giving these agencies a grade. They're saying, oh, yeah, you've done some procurement. Yes, you've awarded contracts. Yeah, we're going to give you this grade. You guys have been wonderful. But when it comes to women-owned award in contracts, which is way below the goal, the goal is 5%. I want to repeat that. 5% is the goal. They're only making... 4.57%. So they're under by a little less than half a percent. Right? Mm. Now, the other goals, you got the small business goal, which is set at about 24%. They exceed that. They are up, like, up 26, 27% on that. Now, the small business goal, it includes everybody. Everybody. So it's not just minority in the small business. You got non-minorities, everybody in there. So they, they, they exceeded that goal. Uh, the next goal they exceeded was the disadvantaged business enterprise. Mm. They've exceeded that one. And it's not by much, but just a little. It's enough to make a difference. So the goal was about 11.5%. Uh, Here they're at 12 to 12.5% for disadvantaged business enterprise. So they exceed that goal. For the veterans, service-disabled veteran-owned businesses, they exceeded that one too. That hmm. was supposed to be at 3%. They exceeded it by almost 5%. I mean, they, they went up to almost 5%. So they exceeded it by more than 2%. Do you see what I mean? So my question is this, just based upon the other statistics that we talked about, the, the amount of revenue women have driven, uh, the, the, the commitment that they have to their businesses, um, 
the sacrifices they'll make for self versus completing uh, an excitement or a contract or maintaining or keeping their customers happy. What is the problem? They just don't want to take the, 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 the risk on the female owned businesses. And I think that's through a personal bias because there's yeah. no, there's no evidence that shows that they awarded a, a contract to female owned businesses and they never performed the contract, you know? And if that's the case, Maybe it's one in maybe a hundred thousand. Is what I'm saying? If that's the case, because but, the the statistics doesn't doesn't balance out no. or 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 back up the decision for them not to one to have such a small exactly. a goal. Exactly. <laughs> that's the first thing. Yeah. Um. And why, if you're doing uh procurement what does it matter if she if male or female right what what does it matter if if they go through all the qualifications to be able to to qualify as a, a minority owned business or disadvantaged business or veteran owned business she would have to she is also playing in that same field she still has to qualify just like any of those other entities right the only thing I can say to that is that, you know, many of the contracting officers are males, you know, uh, so you got the good old boy network going on. Mm. There. So that's probably one of the things we can say about that. You know, it's a good old boy network. Some of these guys are old school. They're old. They, you know, they still don't see the newer way of doing business, the diversity, supplier diversity, you know, um, uh inclusion diversity and inclusion they don't see those things so they're still in that old mode so that is why i emphasize to my female owned entrepreneurs that when we help them to become contract ready mm -hmm. you know they need to establish some relationship building with some of those contracting officers because who can talk up a contracting officer better than a female. Tell me, you know, who can do right. that better? Exactly. They, and they, they all women women are are from that 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 clan uh mentality. They 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 operate in groups. They 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 they're they're communitarians, you know, they work in communities, you know. Guys will do one on one type thing, women Think about it. When girls go out, they go to the club. They got to go yeah. to the bathroom. All of them go to the bathroom. Everybody go together. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> they have that communitarian thing. So if they're going to speak to you as a contracting officer, you know, they can strike up a good conversation. You know, they can, you know, share their company with you, the information, the history and all that, and how they can help you solve your pain. So if we have more female entrepreneurs doing that, I, I, I'm guaranteeing you we'll see an increase in the awards, the contract awards. But many of the female are probably afraid that they're going to be rejected. These guys don't want to talk to them, you know, that type of thing. So what we do, man, we try to help them to, to build up a heart of steel. So when they we do the introduction for them, when we introduce them to contracting officers, mm -hmm. you know, we give them all the stats on them, on their background, you know, their profile, you know, what they've accomplished and say, hey, you know, this entrepreneur can do, you know, as much as you're looking for and even more. And, you know, 
we just like you to give them a try. Just give them a try. You know, start them out on a small project just to see how well they can perform. And most and, of the time, they convince those officers. And I, I would think they would, women probably have, so it's more than just uh, the fact, obviously, that you, you have the qualifications or the skill sets or the business acumen. I think you have to also strive to get to the positions where you have voice, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm always talking about us as minorities that we have to sit at the tables where these conversations are being had. So I know in the film industry, you know, the women still don't represent as many of the directors, the writers, the producers, but however, they're getting their situation, situating themselves in the places of power, like the screen actor guild leading that being the president or the CEO. So I think it may be who women want to be part of, 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 of a powerful woman, um, uh, network. network that advocates for them, like Novel, yeah. and I think we should probably get someone in on uh, on from the community Novel. briefing. Right. Yeah, from Novel, maybe I'll get Shanae, uh, because I think that's that's how we change the direction. Yeah. Yeah. We need to sit on more boards, so that means we probably have to force to push our way yeah. into more boards, because um, they're not going to open the door up for yeah. us on our own gotta so we got to that door open we got to force that door be more t the trailblazing from that standpoint yeah. um and and in some cases just like in some cases with the minority owned businesses sometimes you have to get a face to get you in the door right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and 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 that's that that's great that you mentioned you know, the Hollywood thing and how women don't get to, you know, do the productions and directoral, directoral um, uh, work that they'd like to do. Uh -huh. But but what happened is on Lifetime, Lifetime is more like. A, oh, that's a, a woman network, man. Yes. You see what I'm yeah. saying? That channel was created to solve that problem. Yes. So see more and more women. D doing directorial work on, on uh -huh. Lifetime, they're producing. So more and more of those movies are produced by women, direct directed by women, you know, executive director, you know, that type of thing. So in the entrepreneurial space, that's why I mentioned earlier that there are people who are successful female entrepreneurs who can give back and say, hey, we mm -hmm. know that women-owned businesses only receive anywhere from two to seven percent of investments. We want to be that source, and I got to give much, much props to this organization on Wilshire. It's called the Jewish Free Loan, mm -hmm. the Jewish Free Loan Association. They offer loans with no interest rate, guys. Loans ah. with no interest rate. So, if you're borrowing, and I, uh, the only problem with that loan, it's a micro loan. It's not a a large loan, the most you can get out of them, I think, is about $36,000, okay? Mm. Now, the 36000 is no interest rate, though. So you're getting, you're paying back on a straight 36000 There's no interest rate to kill you. And, uh, you know, they spread it out over a period of time. So that organization was established not only, not just for women, but to help everyone, because they know that entrepreneurs 
you know, we suffer when it comes to funding. So, so that's one entity. And those are the kinds of entities we want to look for, for women on on women owned businesses and, and kind of develop that resource and we can send them to those resources so they can get out of this mess. And there is also a black, um, um, uh, comparable uh, called the Black Cooperative Investment Fund, the same same premise as the uh, Jewish fund. But here's the thing, and, and this is my direction and my uh, yeah my coaching direction for businesses that are going for funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, go for that funding to utilize ways to generate more revenue, right? So if that if you go for micro funding and it is not that big then the goal is is to go utilize it for marketing, utilize it for uh, anything that will better uh, uh, announce that you're in business. So your marketing strategy, your social uh, media management, uh, these are things that will help you generate more revenue, right? And then the, the next step, you're generating that revenue. So then the next goal is so that you can hire because again, that's the next scalable way to be uh, to scale your business, or buying or investing in new technology or new systems or increase your product line. But whatever it is, since it's not that big, it's not like hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. but it can position you yeah. so that your business is generating more revenue, right. which at that point, then you have more um, incentives if you go for crowdfunding or uh, some of those other um, uh, um, micro financers so that you keep doing that. And and especially if you have interest loan, interest free loans. So now you can actually generate that, 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 that more income. I think that's, that's the goal where we should be. And I think secondly, um, as we come to the end of this, of our podcast today is, uh, ladies, you, we have to be in positions where we're sitting at the table, That's where right. decisions are being made, where you're able to implement and show the degree of expertise that you have. Um, I think we also should look at businesses that generate revenue that they don't even know what you th- they don't even have to know what your gender is. <laughs> well, right? also, also what many of these female entrepreneurs need to do as well <laughs> is to start looking into mentorship programs and mm-hmm. not necessarily to be a, a, a protege to a mentor that's just a female, but you also want to look at being a protege to a male mentor as well you know just because they may not want to give you the big contract but they'll start you out with a small contract and bring you in as 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 a a protege for them they'll be your mentor so that means they're they're overseeing what you do you know but you got to approach this with confidence to let them know yes i'm contract ready got all my ducks in a row i'm using small biz pro so i've got everything ready at my fingertips so i can access in six seconds or less that's the kind of thing that we want you to do. I just wrote the mentor protege plan for a big organization. I'm not going to say their name mm-hmm. because you know they're working on they're working on some bids right now. But mm-hmm. 
that's the kind of thing that could make many of these female entrepreneurs cross over into the mainstream and start getting their piece of the pie. Because if you're working as a protege to a mentor, a bigger mentor, a mentor that make that's making hundreds of million, you know, even billion dollars, mm-hmm. and you are under their wings and you're shining, you're looking good, you're making them look good. I'm telling you, you will start getting a lot of respect and you start getting elevated into spaces that you you usually wouldn't think you would be accepted into. That that's the one big part that I think would help. And and I think they also, you know, like yourself, Gilbert, you're 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 um, an advocate for women owned business on for women business owners. Um, And, you know, like you said, coming under a bander like yourself, but finding other men that are that have the same mindset that you have, that women have an um an or an inordinate ability uh to yeah. be successful right. they just may need that edge right Correct. so i think that's really important i think expanding their their network network creating a powerful network is probably the best thing that you can do for your business right. being able to have an extension of people that are out there who are ambassadors for you to support you. Like, you know, you're amazing. Um, when you go out, you, you're, you're looking out, not just for yourself, you're looking out for me as well. And, and that's how the type of business, that's the type of person I am. I don't look just for myself. I look for anyone that's in my orbit, um, that I'm out naked. When I network, I net for everybody in my sphere. You've you've got to, you've got to, because the, the slice of the pie that the contract providers or offering right now, they mm-hmm. want, they put attachments to the, that slice of the pie. So they're saying, okay, since you're a smaller con- subcontractor, I'm going to give you a piece of the pie, but this is what I want back from you. I want, mm-hmm. not only are you doing bookkeeping and accounting and you're doing coaching and teaching, but I also want you to bring, you know, that back office piece to this as well. I wanted to bring the certification piece. I wanted to bring the procurement piece. And instead of you saying, well, uh, but that's not what I do. Sure, not a problem. Let me bring in, I'll bring in my team. You know, mm-hmm. I'll bring in my team. And mm-hmm. then you bring in Buchanan and Associates with you to take care of those areas that you're not strong in. And then you put, you, you present that to the contract provider and say, okay, sure. We've got a pretty diverse uh, background and and and. and area of services for you. Not only do we have bookkeeping and accounting and uh, business coaching and um, consulting, but we also have the back office. We also have the certification piece. We've got the procurement, the contract readiness piece. We're bringing all of this together. So now they're willing to give the group a contract Mm -hmm. instead of just one individual. You know, yeah, we and, have to stop thinking solo and we have to start thinking collaboratively yes. uh, because when you come in, you know, when you when you can fill all of the boxes in the slots of expertise, um, that just makes you look that much better. Right. So they don't all have to be working for you, working in the same company, but you yeah. can create a collaborative partnership right. that then you can now go after those bids. And so then that's that when we look at the challenge for women representation and leadership, 
that gets you closer to that spot, right? And the same thing for the racial injustice. If we're coming together to to, uh, collaborate and and to uh, pretty much bring all our skill sets to a pot, and now we can be able to service the contract, that's really the most important thing, I do believe, for the for the person that's providing providing that contract is all they care about is the end result, right? Right. right. So how you get that end result is um, being able to have everyone working together to ultimately for the same goal. You're right, Fernando, preach it because every <laughs> one of us as 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 a minority, whether that's a minority as a female or a minority of ethnic minority. We have to start working together so they will, it'll be harder for them to deny us if we're bringing a complete package. That's all I have to say. And the next point I really want to raise real quickly so folks understand, even though they may not want to include us in their procurement program, guys, even though they don't want to do that, they don't want to bring you in to do the work by yourself but what they want to do is they want to bring in you and a few others so you guys can spread the liability they can spread the liability among you mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if 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 they bring just you in and you mess up then they're gonna go oh man their their liability insurance is not enough to cover this but if they have three four of you in there doing different types of services they can spread that liability among the four of you which instead of getting a million dollar coverage you can now get five or ten million you see what i'm saying Mm -hmm. that's how they're looking at it so they're more willing to bring in a subcontractor on their team who has other subcontractors so you have lower tier subs involved in a process that's providing other work to the project which makes them feel good. They don't have to deal with that. Plus, they can take credit for you. They they can say, okay, we got four DBEs on here, so we should meet the goal. If the goal is 15%, and mm-hmm. these four represent. You see what I'm saying? So right. there are a number of ways to look at looking at this to make it work for you. So don't just feel like, hey, they don't want to work with me. I'm female. No, no, no. Just show them. Remember, it's all about your value proposition. What value are you bringing these contract providers to let them know that you can help them to elevate their business to the next level? How can you transform them to the next level? Because they want to know what's in it for me. What's in it for me to bring you in? That's (laughs) it. That's it. And your job is to get through the door. Yes. Right. So to get through the door, you may have, you know, as I tell my uh, students, when, you know, my startup entrepreneurs, my big new um, uh, entrepreneurs, the mindset is to get the job done, to become uh, that entrepreneur, to be successful at business. And as an entrepreneur, sometimes you got to go over, around, under, around the corner, upside down, come in from four blocks away and then come back in, you know, <laughs> To achieve yeah. the goal, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> you, you can't. We as entrepreneurs, we can't look at everything so linear, and we have to be adaptable. We have to 
we have to think way out of the box mm -hmm. in order to achieve the goals. If these are the challenges that we have to deal with, yeah. then there are resources and ways to, to counteract these challenges, right? Yeah. We just have to be, um, use all our ingenuity to figure out what that is. And, and I, and I cannot emphasize enough being able to sit at the table where the decisions are being made is important. Right. Um, and make in your value proposition, maybe having a strong value proposition that yeah. they cannot deny. Right. Being an expert in the area that you're an ex mm -hmm. that you have. Yeah. Not once you become an expert to stop learning, continue to continue to enhance that right. expertise of yours, right. where you create a reputation for being that person, right? Yeah. Um, and then, and then finally collaborating and creating a powerful team of experts that when you go to deliver your package, they cannot deny you. And as you said, Gilbert, at that point, the way they can look at it is you're going to spread the liability over with you guys, exactly. not just with me. So exactly. it's a, it's a, you're meeting them halfway yeah. and you yeah. can overcome these challenges, but we have to think differently. Right. And the thing is, our our parents and foreparents, they've done it one way. They've done it the best way they knew. Now they've passed on the torch and the baton to us. So it's up to us to be more creative than they were to make the, to carry on the legacy and the tradition and make this thing work. And we've been doing our part. So for the next generation, we want to tee it up and get it ready so when that next generation come, it's making their lives a little easier and they themselves can add their flavor to it as well. And then, you know, provide some even more diversity to the, the, the approach. So when they pass it down to their kids and their grandkids, it's going to take so many different dimensions. And that, that's and really what this is about. That's really what it's about. And so it goes back to that very, very first slide is the our ancestors that blazed trails, they had to do exactly this. They had to find unique in, in, um, uh, unique ways, uh, innovative ways yeah. to counteract what they the, the racial injustices that they dealt with. Right. When, when I talk about um, um, uh, ancestors that right out of slavery became millionaires don't yeah. think that it was an easy road for was them but it was not easy in fact it was probably it's far more challenging than it is for us today because they had no resources we do have resources so yeah, no resources <laughs> not not much network they could only network in the black community couldn't network outside of that and they were still able to become millionaires and the I'm black saying? community was in the same dire streets that they were yeah. in. <laughs> and so they it's... were able to, to become millionaires. So if they can do it, guys, you know, you know who my motivation is every day, every day I look at this, is yes. my Madam C.J. Walker, man. Right. Because she, she, in 18, 1867, you know, two years after she found out she was free, she's no longer a slave, that's when she launched her business. She launched right. her business in 1867, and then within the next 30, the, the next 15 to 20 years is when she went out there and she started beating the bushes and making things happen. 
she became a millionaire during that time. And, and and my and the male counterpart to that one was um AG Gaston because yes. he did the same thing. He 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 established businesses in Birmingham, Alabama right out of slavery uh, and became a multimillionaire as well and um and fought back and helped and he reached back down in and pulled back other people. So if they could do it coming yeah. right out of slavery, yeah. 1865 is slavery. Yeah. And then they we had to, we can definitely do that. Yeah. Um, Cause they had nothing. They yeah. had no more than just the tatters of clothing and the tatter, but they were smart and they right. knew, okay, nobody's going to give um, me anything. I got to yeah. take and make sure mm -hmm. that I give back. So, um, so, uh, Madam C.J. Walker, there's so many of them um, um, uh, uh, that have just gone the gamut of achieving something with nothing, and which is the primary definition of being an entrepreneur, creating something out of nothing and being successful at it. So with that, guys, we're going to close out today's show. Next week, we have a, a guest, Mr. Um, um, name is Michael, Michael Logan, and he will be on. And then the week after that, we have some powerful women coming on. We're going to maintain this, this, this uh, focus right now. I think uh, we have to encourage, inspire. We have to learn to collaborate and we have to build powerful networks that can help us achieve the goals that we have set for ourselves. So we can take Everything totally, to that next level. <laughs> I totally agree, man. I agree. Uh, 2024 is going to have a different look in, in a lot of different ways. You know, not just for us at the business zone and us in our business, but also for you out there as small businesses. You know, we're going to take a more assertive approach when we work with you to get your business up and running, to get your business uh, that's existing to the next level. So that you all you do is be focused on contracts. You know, not you may want to do your transactional business because that may be your business model how you started. But I'm telling you, we're gonna elevate you from that transactional business level to contractual business. You know, you guys should have at least two contracts by the end of 2024. At least two. That's not hard. That's not right. hard, man. You know, and we and just got to be focused. You. Yeah, you got to be focused. We'll show you with with, with the city of uh, city of uh, Los Angeles, with the county of Los Angeles. And as we speak right here, I'm getting an email from uh, one of my network, uh, Brian Kennedy, over at the uh, Ampac. You know, I met him at the 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 Black Business. Um, uh, um, event over there in Ontario. He's from Ampac. His mom does uh financing financing. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. From um uh, what's fifth yeah he he actually wants to be on the show so we have to bring him on. Yeah another one Gilbert um I'll send you the link over yesterday we had Michael E. Washington on the community briefing yeah. and he is um he has a consulting business called Cato uh, hospitality consulting, yeah. but he has numerous of businesses in airports around the country. Oh, wow. And That's so good. he was spitting out some amazing 
uh, facts and, and, and nuggets. He also were, was talking about how you can become a, um, you don't have to be a prime in the airport, but you can come in as a, as a sub. Yeah. And um, he was throwing out some nuggets there, but there's an organization called the Airport Minority Advisory Council, which is yeah. AMAC, AMAC, AMAC. Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is how, uh, they have webinars and meetings on how to get into the airport and, um, and work as, as a consultant for the airport. So I'll send it over to you. That might be something you definitely want to look into, uh, especially with small biz pro because, you know, in those cases, you gotta be, you gotta be scalable, but you gotta be doing your top level business in order to produce to be at the airport. So, but he was also... I was going to say, just so you know, uh, in order to be certified and to, to be a vendor in that DBE vendor in, in the airport, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you, you can generate revenues up to 56 million, up to mm -hmm. 56 million average over three years. That's unheard of. So, you know, as a small, as a minority or disadvantaged business, you're making, you know, say, 30 million or more, you are eligible for those opportunities at the airport. Actually. So I'm going to send that over to you because there might be some opportunities for us to do some uh, workshop. Everybody was excited yesterday. Uh, um, uh, PCR was on the call. Everybody yeah. was on that call because, so, yeah. uh, but in addition to that, of course, we know with the Olympics, the football, um, uh, the world cup is coming in yeah. 2020. Uh, the World Cup, I think, is 2026. Six. And, and, and then uh, the Super Bowl Olympics. is back on 2027. Yeah, and yeah. and then the Olympics are here in 2028. So everybody needs line, to be guys. And it may seem like it's far away, but believe me, it's not. Now is the time for you to get your certifications, get your business contract ready, get your business funding ready so you can have a line of credit waiting for you. So if you need to get money to buy materials to start a project, you don't have to go to any bank and say, hey, I need money. Uh-uh. When you need money and you go for to get that money is when it's too late. You, you don't need to go for it that way. You want to have it before you need it. And that's what we're trying to do with you guys. Actually. All right. Okay, Gilbert. We have... We good start to the first uh, new year. So uh, you guys come back next week and we will continue on uh, these amazing topics on um, uh, embracing women in the entrepreneur in the entrepreneur la uh, um, landscape, but also minorities. And so that we can just change our um, uh, landscape and, and increase the way we do business. And as Gilbert says, uh, no longer do transactional, uh, do transactional, uh, uh, um, transactional business, but do contractual business. Right. And what we want to do is balance. We want to balance inequality. We want to balance uh, the diversity and let everyone know that, hey, man, this pie is big enough for people to get multiple slices. OK, that's what we're trying to do here. Get you guys slices of the spy. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, everyone. We're ready to end the day, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs> That's right. Take care. Have a safe weekend, guys. As a small biz pro, I saw we roll. Using procurement, program, and control. As a small biz
is pro and so we grow Using procurement, program and control I'm a business man, yes I'm an entrepreneur